Good morning, everyone. Isaiah 56 is what we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, please open to Isaiah 56. I'm going to get a drink of water because with the mask, it's a little hard to drink. I want to tell you something that a lot of us don't actually want to hear. Don't worry, it's not that profound. Because we like fitting in. We like being relatively the same with everyone else. You know, there's the one or two eyeballs who actually enjoy sticking out from a crowd. But let me tell you this, as followers of Christ, we are all anomalies. We are all anomalies. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you claim to be his disciple, then you are an anomaly. You're a deviation from the norm. Normal is even. Normal is what is expected. Normal is the standard. But normal is awfully boring, isn't it? You could say that 2020 has been an anomalous year. It's been uneven, different, odd, abnormal, atypical. It's a year we will remember for better or for worse. It has not been boring. That's for sure. But as followers of Christ, we, as his disciples, are to be anomalies. We are to be different. If I may borrow from a hip-hop artist, Lecrae, he says this, We are anomalies, a deviation from the common rule, something or somebody that's abnormal, that doesn't fit in. We are the odd, the outcast, the peculiar, the strangers. And they say we don't fit in. But I say we are exactly who God created us to be, anomalies. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the abnormal, the odd ones, the outcasts, the peculiar, the strangers. No matter how much you try to fit in, as a follower of Christ, you are the odd one out. We don't fit in, but that is exactly how God created us to be. See, we're supposed to be anomalies. We're supposed to be different. We are supposed to be unique anomalies on purpose. We are the unique ones, the awkward ones, the odd ones. And our odd, awkward lives are to display the peculiar, the foolish, and the anomalous scandal of the cross. See, our anomalous lives and the anomaly of the cross form this deviant message, this message that is destructive, this message that is disruptive to the world. And it's a message that calls out other anomalies, other outcasts from all the nations to come. Within the scandalous gospel message is the truth that God is the God of the nations. And he offers salvation and redemption to all who believe in him. As we look at Isaiah 56, the first eight verses this morning, we see this anomalous God calling out outcasts and outsiders to himself. The Lord our God is unlike any other God. And in his remarkable love and grace, he sets his covenant affection upon us, his mercy upon the despised and the forsaken. He is a God who loves anomalies. And he is the God who uses anomalies to call other anomalies to himself. Let's read Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come. 
and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the Son of Man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, who keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give him my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them a joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Father, help us this morning to have a proper perspective of who we are as the outcasts, the anomalies, the ones on the outside who are uniquely set apart, called out of this world, brought into your kingdom for your glory and for your honor. Help us to not be afraid of living differently for the glory of you, Father, and for the good of our brother, our our neighbors, our friends, our family, those you put us in contact with. Help us to give you glory by living different lives. We ask for your help this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So we focus on the first eight verses of Isaiah 56. I want us to see the movement of three things. The first thing is this, God gives salvation. In verses one to two, our God is the giver of salvation. Secondly, in verses 3 to 5, God is the God who gives salvation, but also who comforts the outcast. And if you remember from the week before, this comfort is not just a generic comfort. It is an eternal, everlasting comfort. It is his salvation that he comforts people through. And lastly, in verses 6 to 8, we'll see God calling the nations. God gathers all peoples to himself. So God gives salvation, God comforts the outcasts, and God gathers all peoples. So the main point, if I can distill it into a main point, is this. God is the God of the nations. He is the giver of salvation. He is the one who comforts the outcasts, the anomalies, and he gathers all people to himself. And here's where it matters for us. He uses his anomalous people, his odd people, his outcasts to actually accomplish his mission. He uses you and me. Let's begin by looking at verses 1 to 2. First, God gives salvation. Keep justice, do righteousness, for soon my salvation come, my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this. 
Last week we saw in chapter 55 that God extended a call, an invitation to a feast. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, eat, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. It's a free invitation to the feast of the Lord. The Lord promises his everlasting covenant to all who would listen, to all who would incline their ear, to all who would come to him. The Lord offered in Isaiah 55 his gracious covenantal saving mercy. Now, in chapter 56, the Lord wants to make it absolutely clear that this call is for everyone. It is for all people. No one is excluded, not even those considered outcasts and foreigners to God's promises. The message is for the anomalies. The call is for everyone who believes. This message is for Those who believe in the Lord and those who believe their lives become marked by obedience. All who keep justice and do righteousness. Blessed are those who hold fast, who keep the Sabbath, who keep their hands from doing evil. Now, if we didn't read this passage carefully, we could, and we removed it from its context, we could kind of make the argument that salvation is by works. Keep justice, do righteousness, then my salvation will come. The only way we could do that, though, is to completely remove it from its passage, completely remove it from its context, and completely throw out the rest of Scripture. Here is what the Lord is saying. Salvation, if you remember in Isaiah 55, comes to those who believe. It comes. This is speaking to the Lord's people. He is saying, you are mine already. You have come to my feast. Keep justice. Do righteousness obey me believe and obey Isaiah 55 calls to salvation 56 continues that message for those who believe and the Lord remember how Isaiah 55 ends it ends with the word of God working in power the word of God works it accomplishes what it purposed and the word goes out accomplishing salvation to all whom God chooses in other words the word works it saves it brings people to God So when the Lord calls his people, he calls them to keep justice and do righteousness. He is talking to the redeemed of the Lord. He's referring to the ones who have answered the invitation to come to receive eternal comfort. They are the blessed ones who have received salvation. So Isaiah 56 begins with a call for believers to obey. This is really no different than what we see in Paul and the rest of Scripture. Here it is. Good works do not save, but good works do show that we are saved. Our good works flow out of God's good work in us. Our salvation, our being made new, creates in us desire and motive to do good works for the glory of God and for the good of others. The redeemed of the Lord are the ones who keep justice and do righteousness. In the Old Testament, they did this as believers who are expecting the Lord's coming and the revelation of his righteousness. They looked forward to Christ where we look back on Christ. This is a difference of historical perspective. Like Simeon, the Old Testament believers waited for the consolation of Israel. For us, we look back on the consolation who has come in Christ, who has lived, who has died, and has risen again. So blessed are those who believe and obey the word of the Lord, who keep the Sabbath, who blessed are those who keep their hands from doing evil. In other words, blessed are those who live anomalous lives, who live lives that are anomalies. When we obey the Lord Jesus Christ, our lives look different from everyone else. We are declaring ourselves 
to be one with God. We are declaring ourselves to be united with him, but also unique from the rest of the world. So God calls us out of the world to live uniquely in the world. And God comforts those outcasts, those anomalies, those who follow the giver of salvation are the very ones who then end up proclaiming the gift of salvation. And in verses 3 to 5, the foreigner comes and joins himself, the eunuch comes and joins himself, and his picture of this eternal comfort is offered. Here's the point. Our God is a God of the outcasts. God has a special place for anomalies, those on the outside, those outcasts, those foreigners, those who are oppressed, downtrodden, and despised. God loves the other. Those who remain insignificant and of little worth in the eyes of the world are beloved by God. And you know what? I hope you see that as good news because each and every one of you are an outsider, an outcast, an anomaly, one who does not deserve the love of God, but who has received his covenant mercy. Peter reminds us, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And then he says this, once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is our testimony. This is our story. Once we were not a people, but now, now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now, now we receive mercy. Now we are God's beloved sons and daughters. Once outcasts and outsiders, now we are the chosen ones. Now, for a variety of reasons, eunuchs were generally looked down upon in the ancient Near East. Whatever reason, we know that they could not have children. It could have been a personal choice. It could have been a religious choice. It could have been something entirely different. But here, the Lord ensures this person, this dry tree, this one who will never have the hope of future comfort. Do you get that? How do we find comfort? Especially then, in our children, comfort is found. We have hope because our children, especially during these times, the children would secure the future security of their parents. And a eunuch has no future security. He's a dry tree. He has no children. But the Lord promises to keep the eunuch, the one who is despised. And he says this, I will give you an everlasting name that will be far better than any son or any daughter. The Lord keeps those who are anomalies. But it's not just keeping random anomalies. He says he keeps those who join themselves to the Lord. So God offers eternal comfort to the outcasts, the outsiders, the foreigners, the eunuchs, all who join themselves to the Lord. Those who are lowly of this world are redeemed by the Lord in order, as Paul says, to shame the wise. So God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chooses what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing that things are. In other words, we should be glad we are nothing. We should be thankful that we are the despised in the world, even things that are not, because God is going to use us to bring to nothing things that are. 
God chooses insignificant, lowly beggars to tell other beggars where they may discover and find and feast on the bread of life. We are all anomalies, a deviation from the common rule, but brothers and sisters, we are exactly who God created us to be. And God has set his love and affection upon us, outcasts, outsiders, and anomalies. And here is what's significant for us. He uses us to bring other outcasts, other outsiders, and other anomalies into his glorious kingdom. Look at verses 6 to 8 to see that the Lord gathers all people. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And that is what enraged Jesus, did it not, when he saw his house not fulfilling its purpose, and he destroyed the temple, and he said, my house is for all nations. You who keep them out are going to receive the whip. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those who are already gathered. That right there, brothers and sisters, is a declaration that you and I are here this morning because we are the others. We are the ones who have been gathered the Lord is our gatherer. He is the one who gathers up all the outcasts of Israel and all the foreigners, and he brings them to himself. And there's the promise that others will be gathered who have yet to come. That is not just our hope and assurance now that we are believers. That is our hope and assurance that when we go forth as disciple makers, that God still has others that he is gathering to himself, and he is using us in his mission. These outcasts, these eunuchs, these foreigners have joined themselves to the Lord. And verses 4 to 6 help us know what it means to join ourselves to the Lord. Look back on verse 4. It involves keeping the Lord's Sabbath, choosing things that please the Lord. In other words, loving what God hate, loves and hating what God hates. Holding fast to the Lord's covenant, remembering his covenant promise. And then in verse 6, three things are listed to describe the one who has joined himself to the Lord. They seek to minister to the Lord. And this was profound because the language here is describing a priest. But who is this priest? It is the eunuch. It is the foreigner. So Isaiah is saying that foreigners will come in, eunuchs will come in, the despised will come in, and they will minister to God as priests in the holy temple of the Lord. Those who are outcasts enter into the covenant presence of God. They seek to minister to the Lord. They seek to love the name of the Lord. And lastly, they commit to be servants of the Lord. In short, this, these verses describe all who believe and obey the Lord. This is a description of a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our God is gathering his people to himself. That is the assurance that we have to go and make disciples Right after Jesus feeds the 5,000, John 6 goes on to describe him as the bread of life. And he promises that all that the Father gives him will come to him. See, the Father has given Jesus a specific group of people, a number of people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And there's assurance that they will come. And Jesus himself says, 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone, everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. And Jesus Himself says, and I will lose no one. What assurance we have to go and to seek to live intentionally anomalous lives, lives that declare that our God is unique, our God is wonderful, our God is gracious and merciful because we are assured as his followers that he has other followers that he's going to use us to bring into his kingdom. So the question then arises, which we've alluded to, how does God gather all peoples? How does God gather the nations? You should already know the answer to this. God uses means. He uses the Spirit of God through the power of the Spirit. But in this process of the Spirit of God working, He uses you and He uses me. Going back to 1 Peter 2. 9 to 10, it says, We are called out of the darkness and brought into God's marvelous light with a purpose. Listen to this purpose. This is not for pastors. This is not for preachers. This is not for those of the MDiv in front of their name. This is for every single believer in Jesus Christ. Peter says this, We are called out of the darkness and brought into God's marvelous light so that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us. That is for us to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us. That is a verbal message. That is a message that must also be reflected, not just verbally, but lived out in our lives. That means we are anomalies. We are different. The message is clear. The message that we proclaim is that, that God is the God of the nations. That God is the has presented the gospel of His Son for the entire world, for all who believe and trust in Him. From the very beginning of time, God has been about the salvation of all peoples. The church is no plan B. God has been about people being saved since Genesis 3. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, that all the nations will be blessed. And God is bringing about the salvation, redeeming men and women and children from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God, slain by His blood, has ransomed the people for God from every tribe, from every language, from every nation. And He has made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and these ransomed and redeemed people shall reign on the earth. So our song, our message, our joyful proclamation is this, brothers and sisters. This should be on our lips. Salvation belongs to our God. And that should not just be on our lips Sunday morning in the confines of these four walls. That should be on our lips tomorrow morning when we go to work. Salvation belongs to our God. He is the great Redeemer, and He uses means. He uses anomalies. He uses the outcasts, the outside. He uses broken people to proclaim His glorious message so that all who believe would receive eternal life. And we are nothing but anomalies. We are nothing but beggars telling other beggars where they may find the bread of life. So all of Jesus' disciples, if you claim to follow Jesus this morning, all of us, are commanded, commissioned, purposed to proclaim the glories of the Lord, to proclaim His favor, 
and we are to make disciples of all nations. No one as a disciple is exempt. This is our responsibility. As disciples, we are to be making other disciples. Disciples, by very definition, are those who reproduce. If you're not making disciples and you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, pause and ask yourself, why? Why are you not obeying your Lord? Disciples make other disciples. And all we do is just say, here is the bread of life. I have nothing to give as a disciple. I'm an anomaly. I'm a broken outcast. I have nothing, but Jesus has everything. We do this by sharing the good news of God's great salvation and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. This is our great commission. We are anomalies. The message of the cross that we proclaim and are to proclaim is an anomaly. In biblical language, it's called a scandal. It is scandalous. But here's the fascinating thing with anomalies. By very nature of their uniqueness, they stand out and they attract. They call for attention. When we encounter an anomaly in the system that the system doesn't plan for anomalies, when anomalies come into the system, all of a sudden the bells and the lights start screaming, what is wrong? Something is wrong. This is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And we stand up and take notice. Have you ever taken your hand over a smooth piece of wood? What happens when you get the splinter? You know, hopefully, you know, you, you take notice. You stand up and take notice. That splinter is the anomaly. See, the Greek word actually, anomaly, means eve, is uneven. It means uneven. So are we the uneven ones when someone rubs their hand over our lives? That sounds a little weird. But when then see our lives, when they witness our lives, they are seeing something different that calls their attention so peter says in first peter 3 he assumes that you're living in such a way that people will see the hope that is within you so what does your hope look like during these times of what the world calls hopelessness has there been an anomalous hope within you a hope that is not from you a hope that is not conjured up a hope that is rooted in the good news of jesus christ the fact that he is coming again is there that eternal hope that eternal comfort that when people see your life they can't help but say that is different that is unique that is anomalous how can they live like that? How can they have that hope, that joy, that peace when they've just lost their job? When their loved one has COVID-19? When their parent just died? When their parents are facing this? How can that be possible? It's possible when all around our life gives way that Jesus is all our hope and stay. This morning, the question I want us to consider as we end is this. Do you stand out? If someone would look at your life, would they see the unevenness of it? The unevenness of the gospel working in your life. The unevenness of Christ's grace working in you. The unevenness that says that the, I am different in this world. See, where you work 
where you live, where you play. This is your playground, your arena for missions. This is where God has you for the specific purpose of loving Him and loving others. God is gathering the nations. Now, He will do it with or without us, but He delights in using us. He delights in doing it with us as we proclaim His good news to the wonder of His glory. He uses anomalies to stand out as shining lights. Paul says, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Is your life such an anomaly that it is shining in this twisted and crooked generation? We are on the front lines of mission when you go to work, when you walk in your neighborhood. Wherever you are, you are purposefully placed there by God to bear witness to his greatness of his name and the glory of his gospel. The good news of Jesus' perfect life, sacrificial death, and resurrection power. And the good news for us is that God is using outcasts and anomalies for the ingathering of countless other outcasts and anomalies. And one day, brothers and sisters, we all anomalies will stand before the throne of God. We will look around as John once did, and we will see a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. See, the goal of missions is actually worship. And God is bringing the nations to himself to worship. And it is his delight and it is plan and his purpose to use us outcasts, to use us anomalies, to use us beggars and outsiders, to bring in other anomalies, beggars, outcasts, and outsiders from all the nations. To extend the invitation of Isaiah 55, come, I am a beggar who has and knowledge of where the bread of life is. Come to him. So brothers and sisters, be an anomaly for the glory of God. Live such lives that stand out before the world, shining in dark and twisted times. Live and speak in such a way that the scandalous and anomalous message of the gospel is clear and evident in your lives. Live in such a way that when all around the world gives way, the hope of Jesus Christ is your hope and stay. Allow God to use you, an insignificant, broken beggar, an anomaly to bring other beggars other anomalies into the glory of his remarkable kingdom. Brothers and sisters, stand out as anomalies for the glory of God. Father of lights, help us to shine. Help us to shine like those who can only reflect your glory and your beauty and your mercy. Allow us to live as anomalies in this world. Help us to be different. Help us when we're pressed to not be different, when we're pressed to conform, when we're under the peer pressure of high school or under the peer pressure of work or whatever it is. Help us to not conform. Help us to stand out as those who are different. Help us to stand out as those who are debtors to your grace and mercy. Help us to stand out, Holy Spirit, with such lives, holy lives lived as anomalies in this crooked and twisted world. Help us to stand out not just with our lives, but importantly with our words. 
May we faithfully live as your followers by intentionally sharing your good news, by intentionally sharing our faith, by intentionally sharing the hope that is working within ourselves. And may we keep alert with all perseverance. May we pray for others and pray for ourselves that words may be given to us and opening our mouths boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel to which we are most beautiful anomalies. Thank you, Father, for taking beggars. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for this beggar. Thank you, Spirit, for allowing us as your beggars, your anomalies, to proclaim the glories of your message. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we conclude the service here, these good words. As anomalies, the Lord Jesus himself said to us, to each and every one of us who claim to follow him, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Brothers and sisters, go and live such unique lives that stand out today. Grace and peace to you.